Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Lutheran Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We are glad that you are here. At Christ Church, we believe that God is alive in Holy Scripture, inspiring, challenging, and guiding us today. As we journey through the Bible together, we bring our hopes, our pain, our questions, and our doubts, trusting Jesus to meet us here full of grace. Christ Lutheran Church is a special place of healing. May the Word of God bless you today. The Holy Gospel according to Luke in the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus told them this parable. He said, a man had a fig tree planted in a vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it, and he found none. He said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. So cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? And the gardener replied, Sir, let it alone one more year. I'll... Dig around it, put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. So I wonder who are our gardeners here today? Got a gardener there. And we've got a, a few in the back. River told us she's a great gardener. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not much of a gardener. I'm, I, I aspire, um, but I'm good at moving mulch around and a kind of gardener apprentice, a Sioux gardener maybe. After this beautiful weekend that we've had in Harrisburg, a few very warm days, I I know that our gardeners are maybe, uh, you know, those here are listening on the podcast. They're starting to get excited about the, the new life that is to come, the, the, the uh, buds growing on the trees and flowers soon to be everywhere. The resident gardeners in our house, they spent a few hours this weekend uh, getting the garden ready for spring. It seems that there's always something to be done in the garden. If you're a gardener, I think you can see it. I've, I've always been curious about what, what one is really doing when they're puttering around the garden. But it seems there's always something to be done. There's always something new that's going on in the garden. In the book of Lamentations, it says that God's mercy and love is new Every morning, God's mercies and love are new every morning. And that is kind of how it seems to be with the garden, that there's something new, some new glory every morning. It's worth going out and, and taking a peek, even if you don't have a garden in your house, but, but just noticing as you walk around to, to admire what's, what's new today in the garden of creation. 
We're in the sermon series through Lent where, where we are using our God-given senses to awaken our awareness to the glory of God all around us. And this week, we are taking a stroll through the garden, taking a field trip to a place where God's glory is declared boldly and quietly with splendor and also, you know, buried, buried in the ground. The garden is a fully sensory experience, isn't it? It was God's idea that we live our lives fully and also fully exposed in the Garden of Eden. It was there that God proved God's self to be a master gardener, making us out of the ground. Perhaps it is because in a garden we are close to our cosmic womb that when we sink our fingers into the soil, we are doing something that our ancestors have done from the beginning. Perhaps it is because we are, in a sense, going home when we are in the garden, that it stirs every sense that we have. It's a delight to all of our senses. When God was planting the trees in the Garden of Eden, God said, Not only are these trees going to be great for food, but I think that the humans are going to love to look at them. God said, these trees are not just beneficial for eating, but they are beautiful to look at. The garden was a place that God, in Genesis, it says God loved to walk through the garden in the cool of the evening. It was a place where Adam and Eve lived naked and unafraid and unashamed. They were more alive in that garden. They were closer to God in the garden. Our humanity is bound to the earth of that garden. So to, to garden is to kneel on the earth and work alongside the master gardener, our God. To experience a garden with our senses is to experience the glory of God, to celebrate and enjoy God in the garden. Now, obviously, a a garden is beautiful to look at, but a garden is also a, a delight to the nose, It's filled with these organic smells, roses, or even the soil. Uh, Rosemary, when you walk past it and and touch it and and smell your hand, lavender, the same way. But even, even mulch has this sweet smell. And of course, gardens are known for how good they taste, Sweet strawberries that that crawl close to the soil. And bitter kale that that stands bold and flamboyant. Tomatoes and sweet potatoes and climbing beans. Even some flowers uh, lend their beautiful petals to complement a plate of salad greens. To our sense of hearing... The garden is actually filled 
with music. Have you ever heard that in a, in a park or in a garden, the, the sounds, birds calling out on limbs or from inside of shrubs? The writer Cole Arthur Riley, she beautifully describes uh, the music of trees. She said, have you ever stood in the presence of a tree and listened to the wind pass through its leaves? She says, the, the roots in the body stand defiant and unmoved, but listen. The branches stretch out their tongues and whisper, shh. Trees make symphonies without their trunks ever moving, almost as if the stillness of their centers amplifies their sound. The tree may appear still, but look closer, and you'll see that each leaf flails with breath. The garden is a symphony, she says, filled with music, but it also whispers to us, How many canvases have painters covered with images of gardens around the world? How many perfumes are formulated to make us smell like a fragrant garden in bloom? And how our bodies at times come to crave a healthful garden salad. And how hard it is to walk through a garden with your hands in your pockets. You want to reach out and, and touch. How immediately does your heart rate slow, your body relax when you stand barefoot on the grass? A garden is a full body experience, and our full bodies are open to God. Gardens are a place, a very specific place, where God does healing work. Work that helps us see new possibilities, to see growth. Gardens are a place to experience hope. The creation begins in a completely empty garden, the bare bones of life. I imagine our garden in winter, a bare landscape, but ready to burst into life. It's been said that a, a garden in winter is the absolute test of the gardener. Perhaps it's because it requires not only imagination, but hope. God asks, as he asks the prophet Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones, can this garden live? And we reply as Ezekiel, oh God, you know. This fall, the city of Harrisburg uh, dug up two of the trees in our front yard and a corner of our sidewalk as they were repairing sewer lines and installing new ADA sidewalks. It's necessary work. It, glad that it is happening, but we mourned a little bit as we saw our red maple that I just planted two years ago get dug up by that digger and placed in our front yard. And then the crepe myrtle that I planted 
six years ago to remind me of home that took two or three years before it ever flowered, dug up, and placed in our front yard. They were careful to keep the root balls intact as best they could, but the trees were out of the soil for a couple months. We replanted them as soon as we possibly could. A couple days ago, I was talking to my neighbor out front. We were looking at our gardens, and he asked me, looking at the bare trees there, do you think they'll come back? I said, oh, Lord, you know. I can only hope. It requires hope to look at a bare landscape or a withering plant in its container or a garden in the winter and imagine what beauty and delight for the senses will spring out of that. It takes hope to look at a baby and imagine what life he or she will lead. What beauty will they create? What will bring them joy? What, and, and to, to hold at bay our fears of what may hurt them. It takes hope to look at the rubble of so many towns and cities in Ukraine and see a future where people will no longer cower in basements but cultivate flourishing lives. It takes hope to look at our geopolitical moment and see a brighter future. But that is what we remember that we are capable of when we look at a garden in winter. It reminds us when we look at, at dry places and barren places and war-torn places, places uprooted, we remember that it takes hope. We remember what glory God has been able to create out of just such times and places in the past. Remember, beloved, that God has planted gardens in the past out of rubble, and that God will remain faithful and continue to cultivate gardens and bring forth new life. If we can imagine it, if we can perceive it, if we can hope it. We use our senses to remember such things. Prophet Isaiah, he had the honor to minister to the people of Israel in their own time of hopelessness, in the winter garden of their lives, amidst war and despair. And Isaiah said on behalf of the Lord, do not fear, for I am with you. And he says, bring forth the people who are blind and yet have eyes. Bring forth the people who are deaf yet have ears. So Isaiah gathers the people who need hope, whose senses have been numbed so that they are losing hope. They have eyes, but they can't see a future. They have ears, but they can no longer hear the sounds of joy. Then God proclaims to them, once they have been gathered, I am the Lord. 
your Holy One, the Creator, who makes a way in the sea. Remember that? Party in the sea? I am the Lord your God, the Creator, who extinguishes war. And he says, I am about to do a new thing. And now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in this wilderness. And I will put rivers in the desert. What God is promising in Isaiah is to be faithful, to replant a garden for people who cannot imagine such a thing. He will revive our senses that we can perceive it, that we can see the buds forming, that we can feel the grass starting to sprout, that we can smell the blooms and taste and see that the Lord is good. God is the master gardener. God looks at what appears to be dead and says, just wait and see. Jesus, he told that story that we heard at the beginning in the gospel about that man and the gardener. The man, well, he, he wasn't much of a gardener himself, though he did plant a fig tree. Maybe he was a little bit like me and the peach tree that I planted in the wrong place in my backyard a few years ago that is now leaning and crooked and its branches reach into the street and block traffic sometimes. Maybe he found his fruit tree like I did in the after-season discount area of Lowe's and he thought, well, you know, I like fruit. But I, I, so I'll just plant this tree, and then next year I'll have more fruit than, than we can eat. So I can relate to that guy. He was not a gardener because he planted a fig tree in a vineyard, which is where you plant grapes, as any gardener would know. Bless his heart. And then after three years of having no figs, he's frustrated. He's ready to cut it down. I've had my peach tree for four years, and I have yet to taste a peach from its branches. I'm ready with my saw. But then the gardener appears, says, hold on. Let's give it a, another year. Let's, let me tend it. Let me give it some care, let me dig around its roots and, and put what it needs, some manure in there, some love, some, some time, let me talk to it, and then let's wait and see. Now, Jesus doesn't tell us how the story ends, but I think maybe some of our gardeners could imagine, because I, I had to look this up about fig trees. When I did, I learned that it takes sometimes three or four years before it bears some fruit. You need to give it some time. Let it, let it, let it, let it go through its natural courses of life. Don't, don't cut it down. Let, this man, he doesn't know what the gardener knows. He sees a barren tree. He has lost patience. He is ready to be done on to the next thing. But the gardener, he sees the barren tree, he knows a little something, he has hope, he has wisdom, 
He has experience that tells him, let's wait and see. Jesus is, I think, a little bit like that gardener. He sees this potential in all people. He doesn't count anyone out. He encourages us to cultivate communities of care that nurture people, that don't cut them down, cast them out, because they aren't bearing the fruit that we are wanting right now. He teaches us that in a community or culture or caring relationship that, that you can nurture people so that in time, in their time, in God's time, in the natural course of things in the garden, they may bear fruit. Not be cut down before their time. Jesus is the son of the master gardener, by the way. The garden is the place where we learn some things. That we we shouldn't count out a plant just because its branches are still bare in May. Because come July, it's going to burst into flower. A garden is a place where we can also learn that some people are like that, that we shouldn't count somebody out just because of that they're taking their time and not our time. That we shouldn't count somebody out just because their branches seem to be barren and without life. We shouldn't count somebody out because of how they look on, on the outside. Just wait and see what God can do. We shouldn't lose hope in somebody because they are a late bloomer. They haven't found whatever it is that they are looking for or waiting for or hoping for in life. Because they haven't found that partner or that career or that faith that we want them to have. Wait and see what God can do with some time and, and some nurturing and some nourishment. And, and let, me, let me talk to them. A garden is a place where we learn that even a place that has been seemingly bombed to kingdom come has deep roots and life that will reemerge, sometimes even better and stronger than before. Sarah Davidson is an amateur gardener in England. She went blind when she was two years old. She says that the garden is her safe space. Because a garden is a delight to all of the senses, it's accessible to everyone, even if they may not have all of those senses. It's an accessible place, even if they may not be sighted even if they may lack hearing or are neurodivergent or they have mobility concerns, the garden is a place for them because it is a place that we can access with all of our senses. Sarah said that that for her, when so much of the world was full of barriers, for her, the garden was a place where she actually felt free. She tells the story of uh, when her brother was learning how to drive. She wasn't going to be able to to do that. Her dad was was teaching him how to drive, and so he decided, I'm going to teach her how to mow the yard. And so he he said, he he had to uh, 
teach her to do it barefoot, very carefully, but to take off her shoes because for her to move through the garden with shoes on, she says it's like, it's like being blindfolded. She says for me to garden with gloves on, it's like being blindfolded. She needs that sense of touch. And it was such an empowering thing in the garden to, to learn how to mow. And she does it now with great delight and there where she learned about love and, and affirmation and somebody who saw a way for her, uh, she remembers every time her dad, who had passed away a couple years ago, when she's gardening and mowing the yard. Her family uh, taught her to appreciate the fullness of a garden. She tells another story of a time that she and her family were traveling through France in the car and they were uh, passing through these fields of towering sunflowers. If you can imagine that, fields of sunflowers, six, seven feet tall. And, and everyone in the car was, was admiring and, and amazed and ooing and aahing at what they were seeing. But Sarah couldn't see it. So her brother made them stop the car. And he led her out into the sunflowers. And he showed her the stalk. And he helped her reach up and he compared it to his own size so she could just experience in her way the beauty and the awe and the wonder of the sunflowers in their garden. The garden was a space where her brother learned to show kindness. It was a place where, where she found ways to experience beauty. To this day, she grows sunflowers. I'm guessing it has as much to do with remembering the love of her brother on display in the garden. Sarah said, because I have to go around touching each plant individually to find out what they are doing, what new glory this morning they are up to. She says she goes through and, and by the time she's gotten to the top of her garden touching every plant, her mood, whatever it is, was so much better. She says, there's, there's nothing like seeing, seeing a seedling pop up to give you a little hope. So it always amazes me and puts my faith back in gardening. Seeing that seedling pop up gives her hope. It amazes her and puts her faith Back in gardening, there you have it in the garden, hope and faith, awe and amazement born in the garden. There's a famous British gardener, Monty Don, he, he teaches that a garden is a lot like a body. What you do in one place of the garden affects the others. Paul says that the church is like that, like a body made up of many different members who all offer different gifts, all necessary and valuable. So in a sense, the church is like a garden. Church is a garden, a place that, that welcomes all and helps them appreciate the, the beauty here and in the world, helps them maybe see or hear what what. what they might have trouble seeing, hearing, 
feeling, experiencing on their own. But here, the church helps people explore and appreciate and love and admire, find faith and hope again. The church is like a garden. The church is a garden because it's, it's a special place of healing as well. The garden, the church is a garden because it's here that we come and we celebrate and we enjoy the glory of God. Church is a garden because here we respect and we value the time that it takes for flowers and fruit to grow. It is a place to be nurtured and nourished. This is the value of the Lenten season. It is a garden of time. We can ask these questions. What's growing in you this season? What needs to be pruned back? Where do you need to have patience with yourself or someone else in your life to, to give time for fruit to grow? What fruit are you excited to bear? What hope is waiting to be discovered? Let our senses explore as we become aware of the glory of God and the new things that God is doing springs forth even now if we can perceive it. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast from Christ Lutheran Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We are honored you joined us. If you're in Harrisburg, we welcome you to join us for worship on Sundays at 1030. To find out more about our church as well as the free health services we offer, visit our website, ChristHarrisburg.org. Our theme music is by Lucian Kemper. I hope today's sermon blessed you and you'll join us again. Until then... May God be with you.